Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales. We believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids, and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two where we are talking to Bridget Vander Eyck about her novels. After today, you will have heard about starting to write just little bits and pieces, taking over a decade to finish your first novel, having people hype up the book before it released, taking inspiration for your characters from friends in real life, stepping out of your bubble to promote your book, accepting criticism even though you're terrified, getting help to make sure your locations are accurate, and hiring out the things you need help with. Ten Dates the Hollywood Socialite, Book One. How far is Libby willing to go to keep her dirty, little Victoria's secret? Libby Evans is a Hollywood socialite and heiress to her great-grandfather's film production empire, Privileged Pictures. She and her friends are part of the new Hollywood Brat Pack. Anita Yates is a former child star. Willa Nelson is an aspiring model and Charlie Niven is a hotel heiress and aspiring fashion designer. At 22, Libby has all the money in the world. A gorgeous oil-air boyfriend. And with the Victoria's Secret Angel contract just within her grasp, her life is perfect. Unfortunately, Libby's life takes the wrong turn when she has a little too much to drink at another swanky Hollywood party. So what happens when Little Miss Perfect wakes up with a pounding hangover and a naked paparazzo, Wentworth Turner, in bed with her? Sounds like a Hollywood scandal if it ever leaks. Libby is desperate to keep the secret away from the tabloids for the sake of her career and her relationship. It turns out that Wentworth wants just one thing in exchange for his silence. Ten dates. So what are, you have two more books in the series planned, hopefully the next one by the end of the year. What, um, beyond like influencers and stuff, like what have you found works best for like promoting your books? Um, are there any like, I don't know, because you've started pretty much in the days where like TikTok was the big thing at the point. Yeah, so I've... Um... <laughs> I always said um, to my husband, I was like, oh, I just feel like I'm too old for TikTok. Like I just <laughs> like I'm a I'm a high school teacher. And if you want to feel old, you become a high school teacher because the kids will make you feel old every day. Um, so they, they're always asking me, they're like, are you on TikTok? I'm like, no, I don't really like I barely understand like what a meme is. Like, I feel like I'm just too old for that kind of stuff. But in the last couple <laughs> of weeks, I decided Oh, I was like, maybe I need to just start, you know, start reaching out to people on TikTok and just seeing what it's about. Um, so I'm very much a TikTok newbie, but that's kind of where <laughs> I'm, I've started heading in terms of um, a new avenue for marketing. Uh -huh. um, so I've kind of, 
kind of branched out into TikTok now, but yeah, Instagram is pretty much my primary source of marketing. So um, it's where, you know, I've reached out and found people to review the book. I mm-hmm. found my beta readers on Instagram. So they're currently working on helping me through this, um, the manuscript for the sequel. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, just reaching out to people. Um, I've got a couple of articles coming out in some US magazines and a couple in um, some Australian magazines as well. So it's just kind of being creative, I think, um, uh-huh. as an indie author and trying to find new and different ways to market your book. Um, but it is all about, you know, how creative you can be as to where to look for those marketing opportunities so yeah podcasts whether yeah it's podcasts or whether it's um reviewers whether it's magazines it's just yeah it's constantly trying to be as creative as you can be and then reaching out I've had um a couple of of, uh local libraries in the last couple of weeks um want to stock my books so in Australia I've been reaching out to smaller libraries and it's not, you know, they're not buying like hundreds of copies of my books, but they're buying right. books directly through me, which is nice. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's nonstop. It's ongoing and just, yeah, trying to promote your book as best you can. Um, I'm definitely not an expert at it in the slightest. So <laughs> learning every day and trying to talk to other authors and figuring out what's worked really well for them. Uh-huh. And just trying to pick other people's brains about, you know, what was successful for you, what wasn't, what kind uh-huh. of things I could try. So, yeah, it's different every day. It's the same with like podcasts are also very different to promote. And like one of, of course, one of the hardest types to promote is entertainment style. So ones that deal with authors or daily fiction podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Like the hardest ones to add. That one I like somehow, even with my terrible early narrating, somehow fell into a listenership. And that one has done great. This one, I'm still built. I mean, it depends on the author and like... Yeah, of course. If people... I mean, how many other author shows are out there? They're the reason I started the daily fiction one, every single other like fiction classic novel podcast that I could find was like they would do like a book and then the podcast was over and they would start a whole new podcast. So like your links are going to change and everything's going to change for this second podcast. And I'm like, why does no one do like an ongoing there was a couple like kids bedtime ones that are ongoing storytelling ones. But for the most part, for like, you know, old classic novels like Little Women, Anne of Green Gables, Frankenstein, like those kind of books, it would be like one book and done type situation. So mine is like an ongoing every single day. There's a new chapter of a classic novel. You do a whole book, you finish that book, you start another book on the same podcast. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So I fell into a listenership that likes that and continues to listen and has heard my progression of getting better and learning how to narrate which I love in podcasts where you hear you know you can tell they're all just like sitting around their kitchen table dorking around recording these podcasts Mm -hmm. and then suddenly it's like oh this sounds professional now like I love (laughs) I love hearing that progression same with like authors I love that like first book from 10 years ago that you know, they wrote just out of high school and you could tell that like they had no life experience. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. (laughs) And then they, you know, 10 years later writing these, like, you know, they get trad pub and get these, you know, big book deals because whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's amazing how much it changes. 
Yes. Even even in the just a few years, it doesn't even take 10 years to improve just from like one book to the next mm-hmm. can improve drastically. You learned something with the first book. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a big learning, big learning curve. So how did you find editors? And then how did you find, um, I know formatting is another big thing authors have trouble getting done. How did how'd you go about finding the people for that? Um, so with 10 dates, I um, made the decision to primarily do it all by myself. Okay. And that was very interesting because I read the manuscript at least 800 times. Right. And I think a lot of the time when you are doing that and it's just your perspective, you can over edit it and you're like, cool, I've just changed this to this, but then I've changed it back and it gets really, really messy. <laughs> um, but I did, I did get one of um so another indie author that I know lives in the same town as me. So she offered to read my manuscript and she printed it off in hard copy and actually went through with a red pen and mm. fixed a lot of it. And um, that was the very first time that I'd let anyone actually read my writing. And it was the mm-hmm. most terrifying thing that I've ever done in my life, especially <laughs> because she wanted to sit down with me for a couple of hours oh, and no. go through all of the red markings. <laughs> and I remember just sitting there going, I've never been so terrified in my entire life. Yeah. And it was it was such a good learning experience because I still, to this day, when I'm writing, I still use so much of the feedback that she gave me about yeah. my writing in there. But it was terrifying. And yes. um, I, so I would recommend it, but at the same time wouldn't recommend it because it kind of crushed <laughs> my soul Just a whole bunch when she did that. No, it's going to be rough, but if you actually listen to the criticism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah, always say, so, like, there's there's a difference between, like, people that just leave negative reviews and people that leave constructive criticism reviews. Exactly, so that's, like, yeah. with narrating, I said, like, I hadn't... I, at this point, the only coaching that I've had is for, like, breath control and vocal health kind of stuff. Oh, um, cool. So I yep. actually went to singing lessons for all of that, which never yep. actually did any singing, but I knew that that would be good for the breath control and the throat health. Um, and then I'm like, well, we'll just look for, you know, look at our reviews and see if there's any like big glaring, oh, dear God, go get coaching to fix that issues. And beyond, yep. oh, my God, I can't stand her voice, which I can't change can't, with coaching. Can't fix that. Yeah, <laughs> can't fix that. Any other comment has been like, oh, gosh, I had one on a book that I did like back at the beginning that was like, all the characters in this book were really annoying, but the narrator did a great job with all the annoying voices. <laughs> I'm like, hey! <laughs> like, That's great! <laughs> I'm like, I did something right! <laughs> like, But I feel like it'd be the same with, like, criticism on, as long as it's constructive and helpful as opposed to just being rude for n- no reason... Yeah. That's you definitely important. you definitely get used to it. Um, it is definitely a big leap of faith that you're taking the first time you mm-hmm. show anybody anything you've written. Um, but yeah, so for this sequel, I decided that you know I was going to reach out and get some. I had some alpha readers and I've had some beta readers. Primarily though, because my books are set in the US and I'm from Australia. And uh-huh. in the second book, we are strongly set within the U.S. college system. And I didn't okay. go to college in the U.S. Right. So I want to make sure that a lot of these things that I'm putting in here are accurate. So people that aren't reading it are being like, well, that what? doesn't happen at all. <laughs> like, who is this girl? She has no idea. And it's kind of like me 
reading and I've read a couple on um, a couple of ebooks of US authors trying to write Australian characters and mm-hmm. it, it's so cringy because they use expressions and I'm like no one says that here we don't <laughs> talk like that in Australia and I so I'm trying to avoid that because being mm-hmm. an Australian author in Australia I can't just you know jet off to New York and you know get some and do my research there. So I've got to right. rely on a lot of research I do on the internet, but also, you know, reaching out to people that have that experience in the US college system or that live mm-hmm. in New York and being like, is this the way that this is done or am I completely off base? Please help me. <laughs> so that is primarily where I'm kind of reaching out to other people. And also inconsistencies in my story because I feel like that's something I have really big problems picking up. Where, uh-huh. you know, we talk about this and then the character, either the character's name will change or something will completely change throughout the book. And they're like, that's not consistent with the start. I have a really hard time picking that up. So it's really helpful to uh-huh. get other people to read it because they pick them up much better than I do. I've had that happen with narrating books. I have one that I'm doing now where they change the spelling of the guy's oh, name. Yep. So it changed from like, I don't remember what the name was, but say it changed from like a C on the end. Yeah, that, that was it. The name was Eric and it was E-R-I-C and then they changed it to E-R-I-K. K. Yeah. And then I had one where the male man character's name is David. And then all of a sudden it was clearly referring to David, but it had some other name there that was uh. not David. And I'm like, that name has not been mentioned anywhere else in the book. And it was clearly referring to the male main character. So I'm like... We're just going to say David instead of random dude name. (laughs) I'm like, whatever that name was. (laughs) Like, yeah. So, yeah, I've I've had a couple of those with with narrating where it's like, um, what's happening? Who's this person? And the the author, I'll I'll like ask, I'll ask the author, like, who is this person on page whatever? Thinking like, oh, maybe it's someone from a later book that's popping up. And they'll be like, yeah, there's a typo. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Pretty big one. <laughs> yeah. It's like it happens, I guess. I mean, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. For like my own stuff, I'm I try to keep things like um for the characters, I'm terrible at like imagining characters in my head. So yeah. I like went through Canva like in to find like inspiration pictures for my main characters. So I could uh, like yep. describe based off of a picture instead of having to That's make it up in my head. Yeah. Um, but then the downside is sometimes the picture in your head, you can't find someone exactly like that. And so yes, you're like, that's true. You have to kind of go with um, the picture that. So mine is like a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And I, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, ooh, Vikings. But then I couldn't find a good Viking girl that I liked that didn't look like very mean. So yeah, <laughs> sure. So I'm like, all right, let's look for like Beauty and the Beast inspiration and find this really I, the girl is a little too girly for me, but I can live with her. But the guy is yeah. like super disfigured. And so I had to go rewrite into her getting introduced to him that like yeah. he has some kind of like acid burns or something on his face. Cause I'm like, you would definitely mention that if you meet someone and they have like in your head, you're going to be like, what happened to their face? Like, yeah, <laughs> there's exactly. no way, there's no way you wouldn't think that at some point. <laughs> so I'm like, we got to go add a line <laughs> to like say something about that. <laughs> yeah, the things that you're you're like it has to be continuous and also like you can't have inspiration picks with something like acid face and be like 
not mention it anywhere. That's right. We just we just don't talk about it. <laughs> like we we didn't think about it. So I had I had to go away from Vikings and go to this other set of people that had pictures of them together, and it it fits anyway. <laughs> it just wasn't. It's Viking. a long process, though, isn't it? It's yes. just not like writing a book is just it's so many different steps and the steps are all intertwined and everything happens it's you want it to happen in a nice straight line but everything kind of happens all over Mm -hmm. the place and you're going back and forth but um yeah it's just um I think until I wrote a book I didn't realize how much goes into writing a book yeah well, and I don't know if you're this way, but like when I'm working on it, I don't plan things out ahead of time. So I'll be like explaining like, oh, the dad gets to be home for Thanksgiving, but he always schedules himself to work so that he doesn't have to help with like the decorating the house part of things mm-hmm. and all of this. And then I'm like, what kind of job, like two or three chapters in, I'm like, what kind of job could the dad have that would fit with all of these other descriptions that I've given <laughs> for the job so my husband's like it would have to be blue collar and so then I'm like googling blue collar jobs Jobs, (laughs) I was working on a different book where I had to do a similar set of like I was trying Mm. to narrow down a percentage of the population so it started with like what is the world population what is the percent of the world population that this has (laughs) happened to and then that has happened to and like all these things it's very weird yeah, I, I with um with ten dates, I initially tried to just write it on the fly, um, uh. and it's um it's possible it will probably take eight hundred times longer, um <laughs> so <laughs> I figured out that I just write best when I actually map out exactly what's going to happen, and I have to do it um, meticulously down to the date. So I can be sure that I'm like, cool, so what day of the week is this particular date? Um, what season are we in? What temperature would it be as to what <laughs> the characters would be wearing and things like that? So that's, yeah. I've, I found that it's much easier for me to write if I plan that meticulously each chapter. Um, yeah, it's it a little feels bit... like I'm writing journal entries. <laughs> yeah. See, mine I kind of, I have the book I'm working on now, previous one I I totally pantsed and have no plan whatsoever other than like I know what the big thing in the middle is going to be um but the one I'm like actively working on I like paused that one because the other one took over my brain um (laughs) and so I have like all the chapters like all the titles picked and what's happening and like the major plot point that has to happen in that chapter for the book like that's all planned But then it's like it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling and like in the Mm -hmm. French original version, she would go to sleep and would be in the world with the like human version of the beast. And so mine is kind of reversed where when she goes to sleep, she's in the fantasy world. Okay, but it's like I had to think, Okay, she's asleep. So after I'd written several chapters, I'm like, what day is it? Like, I have no idea what day it is at this point. So I had to go figure out, Okay, it starts the day after Thanksgiving and then she's yep. awake for a while, and then she goes to sleep. <laughs> so I had to go back and figure out, like, what day are we on? She yeah. has to go back home. She's, like, with her parents for the beginning of the book. I mean, she has to go back to her job at some point. Like, yeah. <laughs> what day are we on? Let's think <laughs> day after Thanksgiving is a Friday. On Monday, she should probably be back at work on Monday. Okay, yep. <laughs> so, it's the ridiculous. You're like, now had I... 
had I thought I didn't even think about that prior to yeah. getting getting to it and going maybe I'm like seven eight chapters in and I'm like what day is it she needs to go yeah. back to work soon <laughs> like <laughs> just quit her job to live with her parents forever I mean who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it happens it happens it's my book I can do what I want to yeah. okay <laughs> So what are things that you have planned? So you're working on this book. Do you have any other big things planned over the next, I mean, between now and the end of the year is a long time. Any other things coming up between now and then? Um, so I'm really trying to put all my energy into this sequel. Um, okay. So I've got the story finished, but it also means that now my creative brain is kind of trying to switch off into the next book, mm-hmm. um, which is making it really, really hard because I want to dedicate all the time yeah. I have to getting this sequel done. But at the same time, I have to keep jotting down ideas for this next book that it's already kind of floating around in my head mm-hmm. um but yeah so focusing on that sequel I've got the new um 10 dates cover coming out July 1st on Amazon um so that's got brand new cover I've also included a sneak peek chapter into the sequel um so okay. that's at the very end um of that um, new book coming out July 1st so that's pretty much what I have planned continuously marketing I'm going to be looking for um arc readers and reviewers um for the sequel probably Mm -hmm. in the next couple of months um so that's a pretty big process um as well just trying to get the word out there that I'm looking for those people that are willing to read and review and Mm -hmm. um reaching out to people that have read the first book because you don't really I guess uh, you don't really need to have read the first book to read this sequel but everything would just make much more sense if you did right. so you know trying right. to find people that are um have read the first book or would be willing to read the first book right. before they read the second and things like that but um yeah that's kind of what um the rest of the year is going to look like for me and then next year it's going to be fully into writing that um last part of the three-part series all right. So final, final question I've got. What is the best and worst piece of advice that you've gotten? Oh, the best and worst piece of advice I've ever been given. Um, probably the best as an indie author was to not take your reviews too personally and to not uh-huh. respond to negative reviews. Yes. Um, sometimes it's really, really tempting, especially when you think that someone that has reviewed it has been way off base with something uh-huh. they've said negatively about it and you're like oh I just want to go and correct them and tell them yeah. that, no you're no you're wrong um <laughs> so not engaging with <laughs> negative reviews is probably the best advice I've ever been given because I have seen some authors do it and it's just completely blown up in their face and uh-huh. you're just it's kind of like a car crash where the comments just keep coming and coming and coming and you're like oh no they've started something that they shouldn't have started yeah yeah um so I think that's the best piece of advice I'm trying to think about what the worst piece of advice would have been I think someone once told me that um to save costs you should just like upper set design your own cover and Mm -hmm. I think that um I would never be game to 100% design my own cover um because I love the idea of you know it looking beautiful and I don't think I would be able to do it justice Uh Um, I think one of the biggest biggest things with any creative thing at all is learn the things that you are good at mm -hmm. and the things that you can't pull off pay someone to do that or 
trade trade things. Maybe you're really, really good at editing and your buddy's really good at making covers, like trade services or something. Yep. But like if you're not a good you know, graphic person at all, please do not try to make your own cover because <laughs> absolutely it won't do well. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've um, the that was that bit of advice was kind of tied in with someone saying that the only um, marketing you'll get is the stuff that you paid for. And on Instagram, you are constantly bombarded with people saying, I'll promote your book. It's going to cost you this much money and things like that. And to me, that's kind of red flags. I There yeah. are some services that I'm 100% happy to pay for, but um, marketing is not really um, one that I feel like I have the expendable cash to be able to do that. My book's not selling, you know, a million well, let's copies. Be I don't real. have the money. <laughs> I get the same for podcasts where people would be like, I'll promote your podcast, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be yeah. like, but how much does it cost? Because exactly. like, let's think about it. Do I really think that the person that is spending all of their time reaching out to people on Instagram is going to be the best at promoting? No, no, they're That's not. Right. I'm going to go find the person that is, you know, well-reviewed, has been recommended, like all mm -hmm. these other things, not pay me $5 for me to go get a bunch of scammy reviews person. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> I did that once for the pot, my first podcast and realized it did not translate to listeners at all. And so I did not yeah. do it again. Now I have heard nightmares of people that paid for reviews and then they got slammed. Yeah afterwards because uh -huh. they I don't know responded badly I was just like listen I can't keep paying you because like I can't keep paying you <laughs> so, yeah exactly <laughs> I mean I'm seeing that you're not downloading my podcast so that's gonna ha that's gonna hurt me at some point when mm. Apple realizes that those aren't real reviews so I only did it once one time it was like five bucks so, oh, that's right then. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it was like five bucks, but I'm like, I wouldn't do it again that way. Yeah. Um I've done with, um, I've done much better with my posting daily everywhere stuff that I do. So yeah, of course. With um with the illustrators and things like that, um, when someone told me not that you shouldn't be paying for an illustrator, um, I just remember doing my research and having a little look and there are there's such big price differences between what you can actually get an mm -hmm. illustrator to do. Like obviously, you know, your really big ones are the illustrators that are doing, you know, your Tessa Bailey covers and right. your, yeah, Ali Hazelwood covers. You know, they are on the upper end of the scale, um, but there are lesser well-known illustrators that are much within your budget. So mm -hmm. you know, I I've you know, tried to go for the, you know, the top notch, the really well-known illustrators. And I was like, wow, that's way outside my budget. Let's try uh -huh. and, you know, look for something well within my budget. But I, I don't think it's a bad thing to look and outsource um, and pay for that outsourcing. But I think it's just uh -huh. a matter of figuring out whether or not that is going to be worth it. And I don't think for me reviews, like paying for reviews and paying for a promotion is worth it for me per se. Um, well, and you can get authors. in trouble. You can get yeah, in trouble exactly. for it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, me commissioning and paying for illustrators and things like that, that's something I'm willing to do because it right. does, it is worth it for me. So I guess it's different for every author, but um, yeah, that's where I'd rather invest, invest my yeah. money and things like that um, as opposed to, you know, other, other avenues. Well, and that's like, so I've had authors that like, you know, hired their cover artist on Fiverr. So like when I was looking for someone to professionalize my podcast logo, I went through, yeah. I just went on Fiverr and I searched 
mm-hmm. you know, podcast cover art and I searched through and I would recommend this if you're trying to do a cover through there, too. I searched yeah. through and found one who had the, the his style was the same style that I wanted. So there's a lot at the time that I was doing this. There was a lot of like comic book looking artists up there and I was like I don't want mine to look like a comic book so like it was finding someone whose style looked like that is the style I want it and then yep his job was really easy because I'm literally like here's my podcast cover make it look professional like that 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 was it yeah that was it and he it took like two tries because I have this like you can't really tell with my headphones on I have really big wavy hair and so the first version he sent me had this like super straight brown hair and I was uh, like, yep. I was like, That's no, <laughs> no. I'm like, it's based off of me. Here's a picture of me with my hair gigantic like it normally is. And he was like, oh, OK. And so then he redid <laughs> it. <laughs> that was like the only issue that I had was like hair too flat. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you don't understand when I say I have big hair. Like I have a ton of hair. I'm not like the Texas big teasing it up hair. Like it is just there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck. I'm going to go get some air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. I'm going to go tend to my children. (laughs) Have a good rest of your, it's Sunday for you, right? Yes, that's right. Yep. Have a good rest of your Sunday. Thanks for talking to me. No worries. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Bye. See ya. Bye. Bridget liked the Little Mermaid growing up and still today. The Little Mermaid also known in English as The Little Sea Maid, is a literary fairy tale written by the Danish author Hans Christian Andersen, first published in 1837 as part of a collection of fairy tales for children. Hans Christian Andersen was a Danish author. Although a prolific writer of plays, travelogues, novels, and poems, he's best remembered for his literary fairy tales. Anderson's fairy tales, consisting of 156 stories across nine volumes, have been translated into more than 125 languages. They have become culturally embedded in the West's collective consciousness, readily accessible to children but presenting lessons of virtue and resilience in the face of adversity for mature readers as well. His most famous fairy tales include The Emperor's New Clothes, The Little Mermaid, The Nightingale, The Steadfast Tin Soldier, The Red Shoes, The Princess and the Pea, The Snow Queen, The Ugly Duckling, The Little Match Girl, and Thumbelina. His stories have inspired ballets, plays, and animated and live-action films. Today we'll be reading The Little Match Girl by Hans Christian Andersen. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Little Match Girl Most terribly cold it was. It snowed and was nearly quite dark in the evening, the last evening of the year. In this cold and darkness there went along the street a poor little girl, bareheaded and with naked feet. When she left home, she had slippers on, it is true. But what was the good of that? They were very large slippers, which her mother had hitherto worn. So large were they. And the poor little thing lost them as she scuffled away across the street because of two carriages that rolled by dreadfully fast. One slipper was nowhere to be found. The other had been laid hold of by an urchin, and off he ran with it. He thought it would do capitally for a cradle when he some day or other should have children himself. 
So the little maiden walked on with her tiny naked feet that were quite red and blue from cold. She carried a quantity of matches in an old apron, and she held a bundle of them in her hand. Nobody had bought anything of her the whole live-long day. No one had given her a single farthing. She crept along, trembling with cold and hunger, a very picture of sorrow, the poor little thing. The flakes of snow covered her long, fair hair, which fell in beautiful curls around her neck. But of that, of course, she never once now thought. From all the windows, the candles were gleaming, and it smelled so deliciously of roast goose, for you know it was New Year's Eve. Yes, of that she thought. In a corner formed by two houses, of which one advanced more than the other, she seated herself down and cowered together. Her little feet she had drawn close up to her, but she grew colder and colder, and to go home she did not venture, for she had not sold any matches and could not bring a farthing of money. From her father she would certainly get blows, and at home it was cold too, for above her she had only the roof— through which the wind whistled, even though the largest cracks were stopped up with straw and rags. Her little hands were almost numbed with cold. Oh, a match might afford her a world of comfort if she only dared take a single one out of the bundle, draw it against the wall and warm her fingers by it. She drew one out. Reesh, how it blazed, how it burnt. It was warm, bright flame like a candle. as She held her hands over it. It was a wonderful light. It seemed really to the little maiden as though she were sitting before a large iron stove, with burnished brass feet and a brass ornament at top. The fire burned with such blessed influence, it warmed so delightfully. The little girl had already stretched out her feet to warm them too, but the small flame went out. The stove vanished. She had only the remains of the burnt-out match in her hand. She rubbed another against the wall. It burned brightly, and where the light fell on the wall, there the wall became transparent like a veil, so that she could see into the room. On the table was spread a snow-white tablecloth, upon it a splendid porcelain service, and the roast goose was steaming famously with its stuffing of apple and dried plums. And what was still more capital to behold was the goose hopped down from the dish, reeled about on the floor with knife and fork in its breast, till it came up to the poor little girl. When the match went out, and nothing but the thick, cold, damp wall was left behind, she lighted another match. Now there she was, sitting under the most magnificent Christmas tree. It was still larger and more decorated than the one which she had seen through the glass door in the rich merchant's house. Thousands of lights were burning on the green branches, and gaily colored pictures such as she had seen in the shop windows looked down upon her. The little maiden stretched out her hands towards them when the match went out. The lights of the Christmas tree rose higher and higher. She saw them now as stars in heaven. One fell down and formed a long trail of fire. Someone is just dead, said the little girl. For her old grandmother, the only person who had loved her and who was now no more, had told her that when a star falls, a soul ascends to God. She drew another match against the wall. It was again light, and in the luster there stood the old grandmother so bright and radiant, so mild and with such an expression of love. Grandmother, cried the little one. 
Oh, take me with you. You go away when the match burns out. You vanish like the warm stove, like the delicious roast goose, and like the magnificent Christmas tree. And she rubbed the whole bundle of matches quickly against the wall, for she wanted to be quite sure of keeping her grandmother near her. And the matches gave such a brilliant light that it was brighter than at noonday. Never formerly had the grandmother been so beautiful and so tall. She took the little maiden on her arm, and both flew in brightness and in joy so high, so very high, and then above was neither cold nor hunger nor anxiety. They were with God. But in the corner, at the cold hour of dawn, sat the poor girl with rosy cheeks and with a smiling mouth leaning against the wall, frozen to death on the last evening of the old year. Stiff and stark sat the child there with her matches, of which one bundle had been burnt. She wanted to warm herself, people said. No one had the slightest suspicion of what beautiful things she had seen. No one even dreamed of the splendor in which with her grandmother she had entered on the joys of a new year. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Neil's journey to holding his own fairy tale in his hands and to hear one of his favorite fairy tales.